Your orders are to get to the second at Kwasia Wood, one mile southeast of the town of Vakust. Deliver this to Colonel Mackenzie. It is a direct order to call off tomorrow morning's attack. If you don't, it will be a massacre. We will lose two battalions, 1,600 men, your brother among them. You think you can get there in time? Yes, sir. Hey, it's last per hour. The podcast where we talk about two hours worth of movie in one hour worth of podcast. I'm Eliza Chin. And I'm Brian Liu. What an introduction. I know, you nailed it. After, like, two tries. Two tries. tries. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Uh, I'm obviously not Eliza Chin. I am, in fact, Mr. Foster. Yep. The Mr. Foster that we always mention in our podcast previously. uh, That's what I've been enjoying listening to the most, is just waiting for that little Easter egg where my name is dropped into your podcast. I can stop listening now because I made it on. So <laughs> that's that's all I was doing this for. Are you not going to listen to your, uh, like this one? No, no. An actor never, you know, listens to their own movie or watches their own movie. Yes, they do. Do they? Pretty sure they do. Oh. I hear it so often, though, where they're like, no, I haven't even seen it. How could you not, right? How could you not put all of that time and effort into a movie and then not go watch it? But don't they watch it in, like, the premiere? Oh, like in a preview kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose they do. They probably do. Yeah, yeah, I was just trying to sound better than I really am. <laughs> oh yeah, and you might have realized by now the audio quality is way better than before. Oh because yeah, <laughs> so rich, so rich. <laughs> Hopefully, we sound like actual podcasters. Yeah, right now and you are like actual people. podcasters. I mean, we're kind of like we have okay. We're actual podcasters with like crap equipment. Yeah, yeah. but great quality and now you've got great equipment and yeah. great content so you're winning are we you're with winning the, with like the two listeners we got which is Mr. Foster and Mr. Lowe shout out to you Mr. Lowe Mr. Lowe what a <laughs> legend we'll get you on the podcast next time <laughs> surely we as if like I'm, I'm a regular now yeah nah um, the reason Mr. Foster's here instead of Eliza is because Eliza's Where's Eliza? I think she's at a leadership training yeah. thing at some college somewhere, which we won't mention. Mm-hmm, because she's our head girl at blah blah college. College, yeah. In blah 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 blah. Blah 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 city, yep. Yeah. And so we got Mr. Foster now. He's kind of nervous. So. I am kind of nervous. Big shoes to fill. <laughs> okay. And for this week's movie, we're doing 1917. And oh, we did Jojo Rabbit last yeah, week, right? Yeah. Which Mr. Foster really, really enjoyed. Loved, loved. I love the review. I don't know if I'll watch the movie. Have I, you not? No, I haven't seen it, and I don't think I will see it. But I thought you wanted you, to see it. Yeah, I did want to see it, and then you kind of put me off, but in a good way. You know, like a. What do you mean put put you off? You know, like a friend saves you from getting food poisoning from a delicious kebab. Like it may have been a good kebab, but it would have put you off other kebabs in the future, maybe. So I feel like you saved me. From disliking a Taika Waititi movie, oh, so thank you. Thank because you we're that. shaming on it last week. A little bit, yeah. I think, but I think you had some really good points about the whole, um, like navigating that tension between being funny and serious, mm-hmm. um, and how it just wasn't as maybe impacting or breathtaking as, as his other movies. I mean, Thor Ragnarok is just I superb. That. That's so good. When Marvel, when you thought Marvel couldn't get any better, yeah, it just yeah, yeah. like. I watched it without it. knowing it's Taika's movie. Yeah, right. And I was okay. like, "Wait, why is this so good?" Yeah, wait. This isn't this isn't normal Marvel. This is. I mean, 
the Russo brothers do a great job of you know mm-hmm. the Marvel Universe stuff but he just yeah he just took it and added a certain flavour that only Taika Waititi could do so good the style's really clear in Thor Ragnarok yeah I mean even like as soon as you saw any cover art or anything like that you just knew it was going to have like a really distinct flavour I guess or what did you say? Style. Yeah, style. Yeah, very stylistic, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 1917, directed by Sam Mendes. And uh, I don't actually know anybody else involved, really, except <laughs> for probably my favourite cinematographer, Roger Deakins. Uh-huh. And he's my favourite because I watched this movie and I fell in love with him. Um, in a totally platonic way. He was in Skyfall, right? Yeah. And what's, what's that other Sicario, one? Sicario. Um, a Beautiful Mind, No Country for Old Men. Blade Runner 2049. Haven't seen that one. What? Okay. Blade Runner 2049 is, again, it's that visual, like, you're is just... It, is it a new one? It's quite new. One? Yeah, it's the older... It's the newer one, sorry. Oh, yeah? Yeah. With Ryan Gosling in it. What other, what other movies was um, he in? He's done tons. He's, he's done a lot... Um, yeah, he's done a lot of kind of older movies as well. The I think goat. he's been doing it for like 40 years or something. It's absolutely insane. I can see that. He's he's just he's, got... He's old. Yeah, totally. He is old. <laughs> oh, Brian and I were actually just talking about before how we just admire Roger Deakins. Perfect white hair. His perfect white hair. I mean, it's just like, I don't care. I'm not going to pretend to be somebody else. I'm going to own my white hair. I want to dye my hair platinum blonde. Platinum blonde? <laughs> yeah. Or platinum white? Pla- platinum blonde is like white hair. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Because... There's just something about perfect white hair. They're just so good. Totally. Something you've got to instantly respect a man with perfectly white hair. He was in Unbroken. He filmed right. Unbroken, yeah. Cinematography for Unbroken as well. That was really... In Time. Oh, yeah, the... The... Justin Timberlake one. Yeah, the Justin Timberlake one. And... That girl, girl, Amanda Seyfried, is it? Mm, with the big doe-eyed doe Yeah. And Sam Mendes has d- directed Spectre, Skyfall, and Jarhead, which I think were collaborations with Roger Jarhead. Deakins mm-hmm. yeah I haven't seen Jarhead but even, it's really good even seeing the shorts for it um, yeah it looks really good like visually and kind of storyline and who was the who's the who's the actor for the main character in it Jake Gyllenhaal is yeah, that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. for Jarhead yeah he's so good he's such a method actor right like he's so intense um, in basically all the stuff he does What's, um, there was this movie about him trying to get footage for memes Oh, Nightcrawler. Like, yeah, it was just... So creepy, was, right? It, it's so creepy. Literally. I, I had to stop watching because I was quite disturbed. It was getting, like, too intense. Yeah. And the fact that he's so, like, em- emotionless yeah. in the film is just... Hell. It just, like, increases the creepiness. Yeah. So, we're talking about 1917 this week. Which... What was your first, first thoughts on it? Um, I guess I had high expectations going in because I knew the whole one-shot thing. Um, and I'd seen the trailer a couple of times but i was totally blown away i thought it's probably one of the most immersive movies in terms of like as an audience member you just feel like you are literally walking behind these guys going through the trenches experiencing conflict like a soldier would experience it and so i just thought that was yeah kind of mind-blowing i sat there kind of mesmerized in the actual cinema actual mm. how about you um my f- my f- First thoughts were, holy crap, that was such a good film. Nah, oh, good. I was going to nah, say. Nah, 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 nah. That was such an average film. Yeah, I was it, w- say. it was. It wasn't really that good. It wasn't that good, was it? It was just like, 
an above average film. If you've been watching two hours per hour or listening, sorry, to two hours per hour regularly, you'll know that most of the time they seem to descend into films being average, which is what's the point of critiquing a film as being average? I mean, you can like an average film. You can, but should you? Yeah. Everyone has their guilty pleasure. Right. Do, do you, My like, guilty pleasure is average films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, Wait. Scandalous. Do you not like any, like, average films at all? Well, you know how some people ask you, like, oh, what's your favorite movie? Yeah. Whenever I tell people, they're like, oh, okay. And then they watch it and they think that's weird. So I guess so. I get it a little bit. Or is it just... But I just think it's weird to, like, classify a film as average when you're supposed to be critically reviewing it. Like, be critical. Don't just say it's average. What do we say then? Just talk about, I don't know, the good things and the bad things. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's what we do. Okay, yeah, you get there eventually, <laughs> but it's like, what was my first impression? It was average. Yeah, it was just above average. But okay, 1917 no, was not 1917 was amazing. Yeah. It was above amazing. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was just so good. Yeah. It it's, was almost, I don't want to say flawless, but just in, like, the way it portrayed the war the way the characters were, the action, like everything just felt like it was legit. Mm. You know, you weren't like, oh, that was a cringy moment or <laughs> I wish the dialogue was a bit better. It was actually just, the whole thing was so good from start to finish. Uh, I wish they ran faster. Yeah, he didn't run fast enough. That's my main critique. Yeah. No, uh-huh. I do actually have one thing that, that bothered me, uh-huh. but we can come back to that later. Okay. okay. But um, no, I was interested to see if you saw it in an actual cinema. Was it IMAX, did you say? Yeah, I watched it in IMAX, which made it insane. Just, yeah, so much better. Yeah. We are, we saw it in a small cinema, but it was still amazing. Yeah, Mr. Foster cinema. and Liza watched it together. Well, not together. I mean, they did. <coughs> she sat behind me. <laughs> not directly behind me, but in a row behind me. And it's so weird to watch a film knowing, knowing <laughs> a student behind is right behind you. you. It's so weird. I was really conscious of how often I picked my nose. No, I'm just kidding. Did your friends, like, know that they were Yeah, I told them. Yeah, yeah. He was like, okay, all right. But no, there was one part where I literally jumped out of my seat, and I was like, oh, how embarrassing. Like, I got scared. And was, it the, was, it the, was it the rat? The freaking rat. <laughs> Honestly. That rat. I was so mad at that rat. I was so mad. I've never been mad at an animal as much as I was mad at that rats rat. Rats were the real enemy in oh, the war. yeah. Forget the Germans. They didn't kill anyone. It's the rats that killed people. Although I guess the Germans did set a booby trap. Hmm. Do you tell people that there's like spoilers in your podcast, or is that implied? It's if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to an hour worth of podcast, very true about a about, about a, single a movie, movie. That's true. Then you then you should be expecting. But when spoilers. you watch when you listen to a podcast starring Monica Hammond, and she doesn't <laughs> say, "Hey, I'm going to spoil 1917 for you," and then she tells you that the main character dies. I felt really ripped off by that. <laughs> in saying that, though, when it did happen in the movie... Were you, like, shocked? I was still shocked, yeah. Because it was so fast, though. Yeah, you never he realized. literally, like, turns around, and then someone's like, stop, stop, stop! And the guy gets stabbed. That, I think, yeah. Again, like, you kill off a main character like that, and it's just so unexpected. There's no, like, build-up. There's no dramatic music leading to that moment. There's no, like, surrealism around it. That's what I really loved... Mm. about 1917 like as a whole thing it just felt every moment was real mm. you know like he's stabbed and he dies within minutes and it's like you're there 
with him taking his last breath. And he didn't have like like a really, really dramatic or beautiful like last line like, oh, Tom and Fermi, I love them or yeah. something. I mean, and we see those in movies all the time and yet we still kind of, I know we we don't really believe it, but we kind of do a little bit. Like we expect that, oh, that's okay. It's He's going to monologue because he's dying. <laughs> Whereas it's like real life, he's just like, yeah, he starts, he's like, oh, oh am I going to be okay? And then all of a sudden, he like, dies. He dies. Yeah. Like, he just takes his last breath. And you're there the whole time. Like, you're just watching this guy die. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> just palpable. <coughs> I couldn't even get that word out. The word I have for this movie is palpable. Are you choking there? I'm choking. Are you choking? <coughs> okay, so I got Eliza's initial thoughts here on recording. But I don't know if the mic, mic can pick it up or not. And I just, so I just hope that I don't get any messages right now. But yeah, here we go. Hello. Good morning. Eliza here, speaking from the past. Yes, I am speaking across the space-time continuum. Because if we can fit two hours into an hour, I reckon we can do all sorts of logical manipulation. Um, and I would like to state that I'm very jealous that I'm missing out on the studio and on recording with Mr. Foster, but that's okay. It's okay. But what did I think of 1917? Um, it wasn't gimmicky after all. I forgot this was one shot, one shot most of the time, and that's what's great. They decided to use the one shot technique for purpose and achieve that purpose was just to take away any distractions from the story. You just live and walk and live and walk with this guy. Other one-shot movies, say Birdman, which I adore, constantly call attention to the fact that they're sweeping and that they're continuous, but that suits the tone of Birdman. It's meant to be chaotic and overstimulating and almost nauseating. And it might be strange to call a war movie understated and natural, Especially when it has such genuinely jolting violence and talked about cinematography. But 1917 really just is that. It's a story that's told honestly, and it's a story that's told well. The actors didn't overact. The movie didn't shy away from violence. But what I really appreciated was they never played that violence for sensationalism. I also nearly cried in the scene with the French woman and the baby. Because it was oh, so human. That scene, yeah, yes. 1917 was a good movie. I liked it. So bye, Brian. Um, looking forward to listening to the podcast once it's done. Bye. Okay, that's unfair. She literally stole all of our good points. See you, Eliza. Thanks, Eliza. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Wait, hold up. She did have some fantastic points, actually. Oh, yeah, um, about the gimmick, gimmicky part. Gimmicky was, part, yeah. There's this one time... Me, Eliza, and Foster were talking about the movie 1917. In form class. In form class before yep. they were going to watch it. And Eliza was like, oh, I just think that it's a typical war film, but with a gimmick. Yeah. And then Mr. Foster got so offended. I, I was very offended. I was offended on behalf of Roger. Roger Deakins. <laughs> I get what she means, because when you hear, oh, this film is done in one shot, and we know that it's not actually one shot, so it can have that sense that... Well, the only way to achieve this is for it to be gimmicky. Interesting that she brought up Birdman and, um, you know, other one-shot films that maybe rely on it differently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think because Birdman used like a different technique of totally. the one shot. Tons of whip pans they were yeah, like yeah, yeah. motion really blurs. Motion mm-hmm. blurs, yeah. So it can literally blend them together. Whereas this had huge takes. I mean, what was that? What was that long one you were telling me about? Seven um, minutes. Yeah, or the, the longest, the longest shot in this film was seven minutes, <coughs> which is insane. Because imagine getting halfway through that seven-minute shot, and, and then you got to go <laughs> do it again because someone coughs out of time or something or trips on a cameraman. I would feel so bad oh, if I was so the one bad. that mucked it up. I mean, that's what blew me away. Like the the timing, the impeccable timing, every single scene mm-hmm. um, was just so good. Okay. Um, and the fact that they'd rehearsed it for months beforehand, which was quite odd i think mendez said in one interview that they often in films just rehearse on set because that's kind of once everything's done it's in place you know where the lighting's going to be where the camera's going to be so you rehearse on set whereas this they rehearse for like four months beforehand or something Mm -hmm. just choreographing every single scene Mm -hmm. they made that um if you don't know sam mendez is the director and writer for this and cinematographer roger deakins and yeah did you guys know it was roger deakins i don't know if we've said that enough times yeah roger deakins roger deakins roger deakins. um and <laughs> um, you know like i was watching this film yes i uh, watching this youtube uh, youtube videos yesterday about how they did every how they planned out every single shot yeah was they made like models yeah and it was like every single model was to scale of what they need to do unbelievable right? yeah and they need to like calculate all the angles yeah. and how long the trenches they're going to take yeah. to like walk it through so it's exact like 8 minutes or 10 minutes yeah even and the way they plan the lighting right like they put, yeah. set up a little the, lighting the rig yeah, on yeah. the model I saw that one as well insane because they need to calculate how long the flare will last yeah so that the lightings will be on the character be on the character I it's know. insane so cool and that huge burning building is just like a giant light tower mm-hmm. and so they could control like the amount of light coming out of it just the attention to detail was really cool and like um but no, no 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 oh sorry all of this is just for gimmick oh yeah gimmick <laughs> yeah it's but just, it's pretty gimmicky yeah yeah it's, it's, it's i mean it's oh we can tell when you go into that little you know that hut or that yeah. little trench like it's like yeah. oh you can see the transition you can, you can see the cut yeah oh not, not good enough not good enough for eliza <laughs> <laughs> high standards yeah. yeah so going back to the set they built 1500 meters of trenches like a kilometer and a half of trenches mm-hmm it's just it's hard to fathom actually just that scale of set and how they could never use the same piece of set again because once they've gone through it it's like they just have to keep moving it's yeah in the whole film they never walk back it's always forward they never walk backwards right i'm pretty sure my dad told me this he was like the hardest part about filming 1917 is the weather yes because they need to make it all look like it's the same day that's right but it's not every it's not the same day every day so you need to plan it totally like really well yeah like if all of a sudden one cut it's raining or it's a bit more (laughs) drizzly or it's more sunny you know you'd be like oh that's obvious yeah even yeah to get the lighting consistent between like going behind a character or whatever you know whatever clever technique they use uh, use because i know with the plane crashing Mm -hmm. they have like a concealed cut when the camera passes behind the guy but it's literally like a fraction of a second and then it's on the other side of them. Mm. So to stitch that together and make it look consistent would just, yeah, take so much work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, let's talk about the cast. Mm. Okay. okay the I cast. got the cast list. Do it. We got George McKay. Who? Just kidding, sorry. I was just... Being rude, yeah. I was trying to emphasize his <laughs> lack of... His 
How he's just obscure, like no one who knows who it is. <laughs> yeah. I like how the two main characters are like, it's like, is it their first movie? Yeah. And then the rest are like, so, like all the popular All British the popular actors. British actors, just throw them in there. Go, oh, sorry, correct, um, no, I shouldn't have interrupted you. <laughs> all good. It's George McKay as Lance Corporal Schofield. Yeah. And Dean Charles Chapman as Corporal Blake. Benedict Cumberbatch as Colonel McKenzie. Colin Frith as General Aaron Moore. Mark Strong as Captain Smith. Richard Madden as brother of Blake. Andrew Scott as Lieutenant Leslie. So it's basically a film about these two. Wait. It's, a, it's pretty much a film about Schofield running yep. to, to find the actors of Game of Thrones. Sherlock. Sherlock. And, oh wait, and what's the other one? Um... What's Colin and Firth on? Kingsman. Yeah. Kingsman. Oh, right. Okay. That's what you went with. Yeah. Colin Firth's pretty, he's pretty prolific, but Kingsman is short. It's just the accent, man. And how, like, elegant they are. Oh, yeah. There's just got to be a pompous Brit and you get in. Yeah. And by the way, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before, but Eliza likes Kingsman 2, but then Kingsman 1. Yeah. How is she a movie critic, right? <laughs> She's an imposter. But I didn't even realize Andrew Scott was in it. The right, um, Moriarty. Yeah, Mo- Moriarty. Moriarty yeah. on Sherlock, the he BBC version. He was insane. Yeah, as Moriarty. So good, right? He's yeah. on an episode of Black Mirror as well. Actually, fantastic. Like, I think it's called Smithereens. Oh, really good one about like the the obsession with a social media app and it leads to a car crash. Oh yeah. But he's so good in that, like psychotic, you know. Mm. But but so good. I feel like he's uh, he's like one tier below. Heath Ledger. That's how I feel. Like yeah, right. Uh, that kind of method, kind of like full immersion acting. Mm. And he, his character is probably the most convincing, I think, in this. You know, when he's like that really like disillusioned. Up, yeah, just like he's over it. He's like, oh, okay, you decided to show up. What day is it? We're having bets. You know, it's like <laughs> really kind of like harrowing just how removed he is um, from normal human interaction. But the thing that bugged me about that, other than maybe Andrew Scott, is just that every time they encountered someone it's like oh you've got to find lieutenant no corporal blah blah or whoever whoever was like the important character that they had to see next it was always just like this really famous british character uh, british actors cameo yeah and it felt really jarring um and i've got a quote from vanity fair this guy richard lawson says these cameos are needless almost garish distractions pops of flash that are too glaring against the solemn gray of the film I thought it was so true. It feels like you're watching these two guys who are, like you said, basically unknown actors, and you don't know who they are. And so then when they're walking, you feel like you're just getting to know them as as soldiers. And then every time it pops into like this famous British actor, it kind of brings you back out to be like, oh, it's a movie. Yeah. Like it's it's way too jarring. So you think so you think that the fact that they put them in is kind of like unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. 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 And it felt. Yeah, like like he says, um, a pop of flash. It was almost like way too obvious mm-hmm. because there were no other well-known actors other than these characters. And it's not that I don't like these actors. I mean, Mark Strong's like phenomenal. Funnily enough, he was in that other Sherlock, right? The um, Robert Downey Jr. He's like the yeah. demon possessed, obsessed dude. Yeah, yeah. So like fantastic actors, but I just found their placement in this movie really. Too, too abrupt yeah yeah 
uncalled for. Wait, Mark Strong was the... Oh, yes, he was the the one that popped up after after Blake died, eh? Yeah, yeah. like they've... Cr- did he cross the... No, not cross the river. Every time I see Mark Strong, I just think of the brother of Grimsby. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have not seen that movie. That movie kind of tainted my image on Mark Strong. Oh, really? Because yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen, man, his movies are sometimes very hard to watch. <laughs> it's I so funny. Is it? Okay. It's a Grimsby. bad movie. <laughs> it's a bad movie. Is that but your guilty I, pleasure, is it? That's your I guilty pleasure. It. Grimsby. True. And it was Ben that introduced me to the movie Grimsby. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So he's to blame. Yeah. That's he his is. fault. He's currently standing he outside the studio. Yeah. He's looking in. He needs to come in. He wants to come in? Can you come in? And we're back. We just let Ben in. So we had to cut it in the middle sorry about that one where were we unfortunately we were talking about Grimsby oh yeah 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 oh, I, I think it's time too. to move on I love that yeah speaking of grungy London crime movies isn't he in like a Guy Ritchie movie Mark Strong is he oh man what's he Rock and Roller oh. that's the one sorry that took me so long to find never seen that one before pretty good it's mm. just a typical Guy Ritchie movie really Oh yeah. All right. But some men just wants to fight. <laughs> his call. His call. His oh, call. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the call. Oh yeah, the, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Which kind of he kind of predicted what yes. Benedict Cumberbatch would do. That's like, right. Yeah. Like he knew him. Like, that that annoyed me the most actually. I mean, like, yeah. why Benedict Cumberbatch? And then like <laughs> you know he's gonna pull this like this move where he. Basically kills 1,600 men. Oh, man. Yeah. But I think it was all good. It was good. Yeah. No, no, I think the set, like, the cast was all good. Yeah. It I, was, I mean, it, like, it didn't mind like me, great actors, but just in the whole tone of the movie of feeling like legit war, because mm-hmm. you don't know these actors. It was almost like you forgot you were watching a movie. Mm-hmm. But then you see Benedict Cumberbatch. So, like... It's like, Sherlock, what are you doing? Uh-huh. You're in the wrong place. So, like, the actors were too extra. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah? But I like, too extra. I like Andrew Scott. I think he... That's he, what I mean. He that blends was, in. That was subtle. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's almost... I, like didn't even, I didn't even notice that was Andrew Scott. It was when oh, I... Okay. Yeah, last night, I was searching out I was like, oh, wait, that's Andrew Scott. Yeah, because he wears, like, a beanie, doesn't he? He's, yeah. like, he's like, quite masked. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. Um, and then Colin Firth, I guess. Yeah. I wasn't too expecting. Anyway, it's a strange balance isn't it having famous really good actors and also not being too I mean the actor for Blake was in Game of Thrones yeah I did hear that afterwards but I just still didn't recognise him actually because he grew up he was kind of young when he was in Game of Thrones in Game of Thrones right yeah he he jumped off a building and killed himself oh that one yeah that one oh wait have you seen Game of Thrones I've seen some of it yeah some of it yeah yeah I know um, the gist of it anyway because it's so like <coughs> season eight so bad. What is what did, it so much? Oh really? Uh, what did Eliza say about the Marvel movies? You know, it's this like they're so part of the everyday life that you kind of like learn yeah, about you, you, them you just, just through memes and you just and, like, hear other, it. Yeah, you just hear enough. Yeah. You know people's names and what the gist of what happened. All right. So, what did you really love about 1917? Love. Yeah. What What was like the standout thing that you really enjoyed? 
Good question. Dramatic pause. Good question. I actually can't think of it. It's just such like a well done film. So almost like the whole thing. Yeah, just I, I, I like how it's the storyline so simple. Oh yeah, by the way, the summary of the movie, which we haven't done, is <laughs> basically true. about these two guys, Schofield and Blake, trying to trying to deliver a message to the to the second Devons. That's how he said. Mm. That's how he said it. The whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Scorpio. I need to deliver a message. A message to the second Devons. The second Devons. Yeah. The second Devons. The second Devons. It's like we get it. <laughs> it's really important. We get it. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's about these two guys delivering a message to call off a, an attack tomorrow morning. So they got. So they got like only a day. Yeah. To deliver a message because it, they're walking into a trap. Yeah, so it's nice because it's got that sense of urgency, doesn't it? Where oh, yeah. it's like, they have to get there. And, and we plus, also know the scale of the, yeah. the damage. And plus, one of the one of the troops in the second Devons was Blake's brother. Yeah, which makes it even more, yeah. yeah. Like, emotional and urgent. Um, and their intel is that the Germans have basically left, right? Like, yeah. they've deserted the, the yeah, space between, line, yeah. so they can just walk across freely. Yeah. But they know that's probably not mm. necessarily the case. Okay, what I love. Okay, back to what I love. I love it's just how, like, it's such a simple story. Yeah, right. But they execute it perfectly. Perfectly, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Eliza's sentiments were that it was real without being hyper real. You know, like, it wasn't that we were um, immersed in the action in kind of like a glorified way. Like, I'm thinking um, Saving Private Ryan's really similar, you know, like, really good action but it's kind of sensationalized you know like he's talking to the guy who's on the phone and then he pulls him on the shoulder and all, all of a sudden the guy's face is blown off you know and then like the sniper shoots a guy through his sight you know it's like this kind of i guess it could have happened in war mm -hmm. but it's kind of also a bit surreal whereas this like they get shot and they get shot at and it happens out of nowhere like you're given no warning all of a sudden a shot is just fired yeah when he was trying to jump over the bridge yeah that was such a brilliant sequence like that real grueling pace where you're like hurry up man hurry up and yet <laughs> there are no cuts there's no like fast cutting giving you a sense of pace and so he's just like it's, it's real time yeah he's just like crawling across this bridge and you're like hurry up you're getting shot really cool and even the, when he moved up and he ended up getting the sniper in the end. Yeah. I mean, that was just such a tense moment. His his accuracy is insane. Yeah, how did he shoot that guy? <laughs> yeah, no, right? Him, right? He basically, like, jumped out and then shot him. Yeah, just as we're talking about hyper-realism. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That totally would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked the, um, the attention to the set as well. Like, you had that, you know, they go over the first No Man's Land. It's like the pits of water. Mm -hmm. You just got these bodies strewn everywhere. Horse carcasses. When he puts that, his hand through that guy's <laughs> chest, he like tries to avoid it the whole time, and then the other guy comes down and bumps him into it. Yeah, um, just amazing. So good. I like the I like the river scene where he was <laughs> where he was floating down, and there was flower petals around him it was like really pretty yeah like, really beautiful yeah then but then he floats towards like a pile of bodies yeah yeah it's so good i eh? like this contrast of yeah what would have been a beautiful peaceful environment and then it was all of a sudden this yeah i mean those bodies they were just piled up in yeah. the river and he had to like crawl, crawl his way over them and you're watching every single moment it's not like oh yeah i get it that's gross next shot please yeah you're literally watching him like body after body after body oh 
just sickening. Yeah, I thought that um, the inclusion of music was nice as well. The Wayfaring Stranger. Is that what the... Um, yeah. Oh, okay. The I'm Coming Home. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just like the whole music of the entire thing, that it felt like it it heightened it and emphasized the drama, but not in a way that was like super Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know, like jump scares and things like that, that was really built up by music. Right. Are oh, you talking about the score? Or score, like, sorry. Oh, yeah, the oh, score, yeah. 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 yeah it kind of you're just... talking about the the last song in the end. Oh, right. Yeah. No, no, I'm no, Coming Home. Oh, okay. That's the one that the guy sings, yeah, eh? Yeah, to see my brother. That was so cool. That was so good. Because he was just like singing it in the middle of a forest and you literally approach and get the sense of like the song slowly building up yeah. because you're actually getting close to the guy making the noise. It's mm-hmm. so brilliantly done. The, what's it called? Oh, when you go back and watch the trailer again, the song actually hits differently. Oh, really? Yeah, because they play like a little bit in this trailer and you don't realize it at the start, but then... Once you rewatch it, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, so you feel now watching the trailer again, it's like... It's, it, it feels different. It feels different, uh-huh. true. I think as well, they did really well in the trailer to not let you know that one of them dies. You know, like, even though you see him running by himself at the end mm-hmm. and running by himself through the city, I think, in the trailer. Yeah. You still don't have a sense that one of them is definitely going to die. I think it's just because we're not, <coughs> we're not used to main characters die so we don't assume that he's gonna die yeah totally yeah that's such a convention of film right like no 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 he's he's the main character like of course yeah. he's, he's just gonna of survive the war totally <laughs> oh about the running scene i loved that scene so good right was, at the oh, end day the one with yeah, all the explosions yeah, yeah. oh when he climbed man. when he climbed out i was i was like almost crying because how epic that scene was. totally and plus i was watching an imax it was oh, just like big screen. So good. The music was like boom. Yeah, so so rich. And I think as well they had this really good sense of like because you followed him the whole time, you know just how like grueling and exhausting this whole thing's been, mm-hmm. and then you just see him like that little last moment where he literally is deciding like, do I bother? Do I still bother running? They're about to charge out of the trenches, and then he literally makes that decision and he starts running. You're like, yes, <laughs> do it. So good. And the, even the bumping into the extra, you know how he bumps uh, into that guy yeah. and tumbles over. Apparently that was never planned. Yeah, the second bump was never meant to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and he got up so fast. Got up so fast and just kept on running. He's, so good. He's man. probably fed up with like reshotting it again. Totally. He's like, yeah, nah, he's like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm, get I'm, I'm yeah. good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Totally, keep uh, cameras rolling. Well, they, they only had like, what, four takes, was it? Four takes. I think so. They could only do four takes because of the, um, like the explosion... Oh, yeah? Explosion they had to pull off, uh, the timing of the day, just like the scale of what it, what it took to redo that. I mean, that many extras all piling out of the trenches, like that must have just taken so long to fully reset that. Mm-hmm. So cool. And have you seen how they do like the, the pass off? So the, the guys are in the trench with the camera and then they hand it off to a crane that follows the guy up oh, the yes, trench. Yes. And then that hands it off to like a big ute that clips it on the back and then he starts driving yeah and it's just seamless they like even have like motorbikes motorbikes what's one guy on at the mo- at one time i think it's like yeah it's like attached to the guy by this big kind of um stabilizer yeah gimbal kind of thing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden yeah he's like handing it off to someone on the back of a motorbike yeah. and then they start driving off it's just so cool 
What a cool thing to work on and like pull off. I know, right? Uh, but nah, it's just a gimmick. It's pretty gimmicky. Yeah, at it, the end of the day, it, it's only a gimmick. It's only a gimmick. I mean, pff, I can pull it off with my Huawei P thirty phone. You know, <laughs> easy, easy peasy. Hey, Eliza, is she gonna listen to this? Do you think? Uh, she says she wants to listen to this because she doesn't have to listen to herself now. So she actually listen. True. Yeah. It's, it's the worst part about podcasting. You need to listen to yourself. True, listening to yourself. How is that, Brian? I, Do you feel like you know yourself better? I hate it so much. I have such an accent. I hate it like so Like the much. sound of your voice you hate? Or the things you say? I hate the things I say. I think I hate my voice more than I what I say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I think it is hard to listen to yourself. It's just weird as well because you'll sound different when you're recorded than what you hear of yourself normally. Yeah. It's so weird. Um... What do you think of the last part where he co- where he runs in but he got stopped? Oh, like and he's almost like rejected from even yeah. being able to see the guy. I thought it was good. I thought it added necessary, like tension and drama to the ending. Yeah, made it a bit more epic. I was like, no, let him yeah, in. Yeah, how dare you? Do you know <laughs> what this guy's been through? Do you know that this is a general order? Do you know that he's been filmed in one continuous shot the whole way? Do you know how hard that is? No, I get it. Yeah, it was like... Actually, yeah, I guess I kind of thought, oh, he's not going to make it, and all these men are going to die, and it's going to have a tragic ending because that's what happens in war. Uh But then, yeah, but then it was like a kind of a happy ending, which is good. You? Did you? Yeah, did it really just annoy you? No, let him in. I've waited so long for him to wait deliver the message let him in yeah it's kind of like that dramatic irony isn't it where like as the audience member you're way more invested than those two characters who are stopping him from getting in so you're like yeah guys no you don't understand yeah and even when Benedict comes back he's like I'm not calling in I'm like come on yeah on. yeah you're such a piece of work he's a piece of work eh? he's oh, yeah. a piece of work yeah that's what we're going with um oh I just had a thought actually about Oh, the the thing that shocked me as well at the end, you know how like he finally finds the brother, the guy's brother, and he tells him and it's really sad, and then it kind of goes out to that tree. It made me just realize that that was like a massive ordeal, and we followed the soldier through like his whole experience of that day. Mm-hmm. But soldiers would experience that like day in and day out. You know, oh, yeah. like we're only with him for like what was it? Was it even two hours? less than I think yeah and then he would have to have experienced all of that almost every day in the war mm-hmm. like that's what I that's what I appreciate as well is that like Eliza said it didn't glorify war mm-hmm. or like over sensationalize it and it also didn't make you like really hate war necessarily but just made you realize like if this is one day in the life of a soldier like no wonder they went crazy yeah and like came back with PTSD and all those sorts of things because the stuff that they had to experience in just a normal day yeah. was so horrific. Yeah, that really disturbed me actually quite quite deeply. Are you going to show this to your level two students? When 1917? Guys, yeah, when you guys are studying the war poetry. Well, we're going to do war poetry, yeah. yeah. So Duce I think... Duce es de Coromest. Duce de Coromest, yeah. Pro patria mori. Yeah, I think it's worthwhile because it puts you in the trenches you mm-hmm. know like literally what these soldiers experienced 
and it's so visceral you know like you you can't turn away from it have you seen they shall not grow old no that's the peter jackson did he direct it did peter jackson mm, direct let it? me check i was like I know halfway was... through it i've seen quite a few war films i think i've seen i've seen dunkirk in imax as well so oh yeah. yeah i mean dunkirk's again a brilliant film but it's just so different isn't it because you've got so many perspectives and all these like kind of crossing over timelines mm-hmm. that's a bit more of a masterpiece in terms of the the narrative i guess and like trying to that was that yeah. was just showing how well that was like that was similar kind of like because it was a rescue event as well yeah that's yeah. right yeah but it was just showing how big of a scope the, the evacuation was right yeah. yeah yeah that did have a sense of scale didn't it Mm-hmm. Just trying to get all those, like even the civilian boats that got involved, like, mm. it's just so massive. The so they should grow, not grow old. Oh yeah, it's by Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, pretty but sure, it's, yeah, it's World War One. Is it from footage? It it is. I'm pretty sure it's from footage. That's crazy. Mighty Ape does ratings now. Four point nine out of five on Mighty Ape. <laughs> Thanks, Mighty Ape. Because he has a doesn't he have a a thing in Wellington at the museum? Who? Peter Jackson. Does he actually? Yeah, he owns like a ton of World War One or Two memorabilia, and so he's got this kind of like permanent display down there. So he's just basically like a he has an obsession with World War One. He must do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah, wasn't the Hobbit? The Hobbit, yeah. Like by him as well. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, Tolkien, I'm pretty sure, wrote... He either wrote around the time of the war or was influenced by the war because that's why there's such a, yeah, an emphasis on war in Lord of the Rings. Mm. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. War without allegory. World War One, Tolkien, and Lord of the Rings. I think, yeah, this is some kind of crossover there. Because uh-huh. Tolkien would have been around. The Tolkien went to World War One. I? I think he may have, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. Oh, interesting. This has done. This does a comparative shot between uh, a shot from the film Lord of the Rings and the Battle of Passchendaele. Passchendaele. Battle of Passchendaele was yeah horrific. Oh, okay. Like a real massacre. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I can't quote, but there's this uh, podcast by Dan Carter. No. <laughs> the underwear wearing all black no uh, um, hardcore history yeah hardcore history uh-huh. what's his name not Dan Harmon no anyway but he talks about Passchendaele and like it's quoted that people literally called it like it was like a meat grinder of soldiers mm. like it literally just swallowed them up so horrific kind of worries me because I need to go back and serve in the military soon you need to. Yeah, it's right. compulsory for me in, right. in Taiwan, yeah. That is... Yeah, that's scary. And if World War One happens soon... World War Three. Oh, uh, World War Three happens yeah. soon. You're going to be in. <laughs> yeah, and, and Taiwan will be versing China. Oh, no. Pretty sure. Oh, no. And that will literally be like a suicide for yeah, me. Yeah, that is just... 
so that's the thing like conscription almost what do you mm. call it like compulsory service mm-hmm. um and you get drafted drafted really mm-hmm. and what do you have to do like one year two years um oh it used to be one year okay but now it's like four months right so okay so you do like a little bit of training and then yeah some service that is insane i know brian i didn't know that i'm gonna have a hard time yeah that is gonna be difficult um and when do you have to do that do you have to do it by a certain age um after 18 right and then is there like a an, an before 30 i think right okay, okay. Like 40 so you got a bit of time because that's crazy that kind of like dictates your life plans a little bit it's gonna take up some time yeah like do you wait until you know well after uni and you've got a job and then all of a sudden interrupt that or i think i need to serve in the military first yeah it's almost like then you want I, to get out of the way yeah then i can go out of taiwan again right yeah okay because if you if you got that thing on you you can't go out of taiwan oh like if you went back for a visit would they almost like hold you there um kind of yeah. right yeah gosh that's so scary because <laughs> there are i mean there's quite a few um south african teachers at our school and they often talk about you know their experiences of having to be in the did they get drafted as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. In fact, um, I don't want to say his name just in case, but uh, one teacher was telling me that he literally had to do it for, for like 18 months, almost two years. Mm-hmm. And he had like accidents with live grenades and things like that. Like one of his fellow soldiers like dropped the <laughs> grenade in the trench yeah. and he like bolted it out of the way and he ended up with some shrapnel in his leg. And It's just quite unbelievable. Like the the intensity of it mm-hmm. and then i think they were called to duty on one of their borders in south africa and they oh. had to like protect the border and i'm just like man that is insane so thankful we don't have that here i hope you're listening yeah jacinda <laughs> i'm pretty didn't new zealand like cancel their air force what air force oh yeah the two cessnas <laughs> yeah. with little wait is he like even like military I here i actually there's military yeah we've got an army Got an, the New Zealand's got an army. Do you guys actually? It's 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 massive. All those people who are listening overseas and thinking of invading New Zealand. It's huge. It's We've got like hundreds of guns. Do we actually? Do we even have like a... Oh my gosh. It's around 4,500 regular force personnel and 2,000 territorial force personnel. 5,000? Yeah, 6,500 in total. 6,500? Yeah. 6,500. 6,500 soldiers. Yep, for the listeners, um, you do not want to invade New Zealand because we've got 6,500 soldiers here. I meant 6,500 million soldiers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, not 1,000, not, not eh? We use the sheep. We give the <laughs> sheeps. We give the sheeps. I literally just said sheeps. We give the sheep machine guns. So better watch out. We, we got listeners in America. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, watch out, America. Our military can totally contend with yours. They probably think we're Australia. Like, That's true. Yeah. They probably don't even know New Zealand. <laughs> Every time New I go Zealand. back to Taiwan, they're like, oh, so how's the bus- bushfire going? Oh, no, really? Yeah. I was like, um, we don't have oh, that in New Zealand. No. Like, I'll be like, oh, I live in New Zealand, so like I don't have the bushfire. And they'll be like, oh, so is that like, are there no bushfire in your area? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, it's New Zealand the area where it's safe in Australia. That is just really oh. And so what, I, they just think we're like a state in Australia. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Ignorant. 
Anna. Hmm. How often do you go back to Taiwan? Um, once every year. Okay. Yeah, just for Chinese New Year. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. This one I watched 1917. That's when you watched it. Yeah. Also, wait, did you watch it? It must have been in English then, right? Um, no, it's dubbed in Chinese. Actually, dubbed in Chinese. Yeah, it's dubbed in Chinese. Right. Yeah. I feel like you're pulling my leg. You're not pulling my leg. Um. No, I'm not pulling your leg. You're pulling my leg, eh? No, I don't. If you could see Brian's face right now, you'd see he's probably being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. No, but, it's in, but it's Chinese subtitles. Chinese subtitles, yeah. yeah. It's Chinese sub- well, call me Ignorant. stupid, yeah. yeah. But we saw the new Beauty and the Beast when we were in France, and I th- I just assumed it was going to be in French. And then there were French subtitles, and I was like, oh, good, it's in English. Um, I think only in Germany they dub it. Really? Yeah. Because I just assumed they're, they're like, they're like really big with dubbing English Movies into, into Germ- German. Into German. German yeah. way better. So yeah, German superior. Yeah, yeah, yeah superior. The superior race. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. Shouldn't have gone there. The wrong war. This is this is not that war. Um, we finished we finished talking about Jojo Rabbit last week. Yeah, two weeks ago. So I think you're on that's the wrong true. Podcast. Yeah, I'm on the wrong podcast. Uh-huh. Let's talk about let's talk about the about one shot films. Yeah. What one shot films have you seen? Nineteen seventeen. Oh my god. Birdman. Nope. Victoria? Nope. Wait, is Children of Men one shot? No, it's just got a really long take. I've oh. seen Children of Men. It's got a really long take in one of the action sequences, and it's got quite a few long takes interspersed mm. in it. Okay, so... Sorry, I've seen Spectre, and that has a really long shot at the start, and I was watching a video on that the other day, and they have like 1,500 extras just for the first opening sequence. Oh. I think it's less than... 10 minutes long or it might be about 15 minutes long I'm not sure but they literally did like the first part of it going through the crowd yeah Mexico City mm-hmm. on the day of the death and every single person is like an individual if you know what I mean yeah. you know like they're not like an extra that's used twice yeah um, and I was watching that because you know our friend Mr. Deacons and Mr. Mendes they both work on that together Foster's a fanboy a little bit yeah uh, just a little bit just a little bit yeah okay so the first ever one-shot movie is Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Rope, yeah. Uh, okay. In 1948. And, and the whole movie only has 10 shots. 10 shots? Yeah. How long is it? 80 minutes. Wow. 81. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. The uh, the reason they couldn't go longer was because they can only hold up to 10 minutes. I was going to say, they probably yeah. run out of tape, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, actually yeah. run out of film. That's so, such a foreign concept now. So, so when they used it, they used a technique called color match, which is the when they're gonna cut it, the camera will zoom up, zoom up on like a solid color, like like a guy's um, suit back, yeah, or something like that, yeah. So the whole f- the whole f- frame would just would be, be black. covered in that, mm. right? Yeah, and then they cut it. Yeah. yeah, otherwise known as an invisible cut. Actual. Yeah, because you can't see when the cut is because, oh, like yeah? you say, like they color match. Mm-hmm. They used that in 1917, but I think it not as much. Not as much. Yeah. And it usually just went to black mm-hmm. and then very quickly came out. Because color match these days is pretty noticeable. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. right. Because you've got such yeah spectrum. Whereas I suppose on film, it probably would be more, more easily matched. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still cool. eighty minutes, man. That's yeah, amazing. 80, yeah. And what year was it? Nineteen forty-eight. Even for today's standards, that's, that's like insane. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah. And the first ever attempt on an actual one shot was like a full, like fully a single shot, right? Yeah. But attempt was Macbeth, but they technically have two shots. Oh, okay. 
the starting then the and then it blacked out for like the to show like the title Macbeth right then it was just one shot to the end so two shots but really one shot I mean the yeah. majority of the story I'm pretty yeah. sure I don't know if that's crazy. I don't know if they did it in two shots or they did it in one shot but edited it to two shots right okay. I don't know yeah okay but the actual one-shot film was Russian Ark. Yeah, you showed me that the other day, and I watched the trailer for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another one, eh? That must have just been like really well timed and choreographed. They, um, there's s- heaps of rehearsal with over I a bet. thousand actors. A thousand actors, yeah. and they're all in the same building, right? Like yeah. it's literally the same interior. And is it a ghost? Does he move through? Moves through the. I have no idea what's about. Oh, okay. Yeah. So fascinating, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's got that real like historical Russian vibe to it, right? Yeah. Um, I was watching it, the trailer, and it's funny. There's this just noticeable point where one of the extras looks directly at the camera, and then she like quickly looks away, and you're like, uh, "Oh yeah, I saw you. I saw what you did there." You know why they? You know why the actor did one shot? Why? Because he was sick of editing. No, actually. Yeah. That was his reason. Yeah. Surely it would be so much more work to do one shot then edit i have no idea but i saw that on the article and i was like oh i respect that <laughs> yeah good enough reason yeah. yeah i do all my assignments in one night because i don't want to do three nights of work yeah that's just that's me i like to i don't like i don't like to stop my thinking process yeah. i like to i like to just toss it all just out get it all out of the way yeah yeah but other one-shot films are birdman yeah like we mentioned before and victoria so what's victoria victoria's about this Spanish girl, I believe, right li- in Berlin, and it was like, just like a night out, and she was involved in these guys who eventually dragged her into like a bank robbery, and oh. it ex- it escalated from there. I half I watched like half of it. Yeah, mm. it was. You can tell the technique wasn't as good as nineteen seventeen, but right. it's still good. Because it's still quite modern, isn't it? Twenty fifteen, it says it was. Twenty fifteen, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, there's other one shot films that I can't remember. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Like Eliza said about Birdman, sometimes you're you're brought to the awareness that it's a one shot film, mm-hmm. and that's kind of sad. But I found the opposite with 1917. I was watching it, and then had to re- almost remind myself, wait, mm. this is done in one shot. Like, wait, how how are we now in like our third setting? The the cameras is the cameras are like really smooth in 1917. So smooth. And how they how they switch to filming the actors from the back to filming them from the front yeah. is it's so smooth, so seamless, right? Uh, and I love how they often do it, and like the extras are still passing through, so they've literally timed it perfectly that the cameraman yeah like swivels around yeah. without interrupting any of the extras. And that's when they cut. Yeah. So cool. So, so clever. There's another technique apart from motion blur and mm. color matches, foreground objects. So like, once they pass. An extra, yeah. They cut it. They cut or it. Or when they pass, when they pass, like yeah, like a, even like a doorway. Yeah, like a doorway. Can, they can cut do. it. Yeah, like in Children of Men, they cut it whenever they they pass the car. Right. Car okay. door. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think it's almost like that seems more seamless in a way mm. because you're caught up in the action so much that you forget that this is a place where you could insert a cut. Yeah. Whereas when they go into a darkened doorway, you know, like the color match or the um, invisible cut, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that you could totally cut <laughs> it there. Um, I love it when they go into the, the 
I want to say catacombs, but that's the wrong word. You know, like, like the, the bunker, the bunker yeah. yeah. And even that, like, it just, it feels so quick and seamless. Like, you see his shadow go across, but then it's back. And it's not a shadow anymore, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so that felt quite, quite clean, quite crisp. And this is another technique called the Texas switch, which is, um, which is how they got actors to swap with the stunt person. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. So it's when you get you get a you get a shot on the actor, yeah. the actual one, but then it will s- the whole camera will like spin or something, and the actor will just go out of frame. But once the actor's back into the frame. It's It'll be the, the stunt. Other, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. So it's not quite as seamless then as other methods, really. It's actually it's actually pretty smooth. Right. Yeah. Is it more like a like just out of frame kind of thing? Yeah. Like as if like the camera couldn't keep up. Like the actor could be riding a bike out out like going out of the frame. Right. And then once the camera caught up, it'll be the it'll be the stunt. Nice. Okay. That's how they gotcha. did it in Russian arc. Oh, they just okay. keep swapping people. Oh, okay. So they had all those extras, but they actually still need to recycle them a little bit. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, let's talk about here yeah, the Texas Switch. Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde, I've actually. I've not seen that yet. I've seen. I've seen the trailer or something. Apparently, it's really good. It makes sense because I guess with stunt doubles, you need to have a moment that forces you to still think it's the same person. Mm. like I was watching Baby Driver really closely and I'm wondering you know like those moments where they're skidding around corners it's obviously a stunt driver yeah because he I mean unless that kid knows how to actually drive <laughs> um, but because it's cut to a completely different moment you mm-hmm. don't have to think wait is that him in the car you know it's like yeah, yeah. whereas if it's if it's within a scene or within a shot you need that moment where you still think it's the same actor yeah which makes it which makes one shot film so gimmicky. <laughs> so gimmicky. Nah, that, that that's how that, that's why one shot films are so good. Yeah, usually. I mean, yeah. But it's not it's not like every film can work with one shot. No, that's yeah. what I liked about when Mendes said he wanted to do it in one shot because it worked for the film. It, it has a the high message. emotional stake. Hundred percent. That's why one shot film works yeah. so well. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen Birdman, but I imagine that's not why they chose one shot. I have no idea why they oh, okay. Because it looks at him a lot, doesn't it? Mm. It's pretty. It's a pretty obvious one-shot film. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas this felt like we're following these two soldiers because like, the whole story hangs on it. It hangs on them traveling across mm. this war zone. And so who else would you follow? Like, Who are you going to cut to? The rat. The freaking rat. <laughs> that, that actually... Did you know that was going to happen? No. No, me either. Um, I rewatched it yesterday, and oh, I, yeah. the rat was... I thought the rat went out of the frame. Right. But it was... The rat was always there with them. I didn't even realise. True. So, did they have a trained rat? I don't know. It, the rat literally followed them. That's insane. Yeah. They had a trained rat. I have no idea if it's trained or not. Yeah, it would have been. It would have totally been trained. In IMAX... That actually scared me I bet so it much. Yeah. I literally like leapt out of my seat. I couldn't believe it. And I was really annoyed. I was like, damn rat. Because you can't rat. really see the tripwire as no. well. So you don't know Because the guy just mentions that. He's like, oh, the tripwire. And then it's like, wait, what's that rat doing? Boom. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, you're just covered in dust. and oh, Terrible. 
the rat is the real enemy. The true the villain world, yeah. was the rat, yeah. Because you don't even... Wait. I was going to say, we, we didn't even see any Germans, but we saw one. Yeah, I was going to mention that, actually, how you don't feel like you're taking sides because it's not like, oh, well, these two are British soldiers and you're on the side of Britain because Germany's the enemy. It was yeah. almost just like, these are just two people, like two men. Yeah. And even the German soldiers they do encounter, you don't really... I don't know. You don't see enough of them or for long enough. It's, they, it's like Dunkirk. We, don't, we never see the German soldiers. The actual enemy yeah. soldiers, yeah. It's just this. It's almost like this idea of the enemy. Mm-hmm. So the main enemy is the rat. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that will be it for us this week with Eliza Chin of nineteen uh, Miss Foster of nineteen seventeen, and next week we'll be doing Uncut Gems with actually actually Eliza, not just digitally recorded yeah. Eliza. Yeah. No. Um. And I'm pretty sure the week after Uncut Gems will be doing The Tooth Pope, which is a really good film, cool. I reckon. Look forward to hearing it. Mm-hmm. But, thanks for having me on the show. Um, thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for helping us with the stu- studio. Hopefully the sound Ho- quality yeah, is Hopefully we sound amazing. so much better. So rich. But I still hate my voice, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, well. You just so sound like a blob. Sound like an actual immigrant. Yeah. Got anything to say, Foster? No, just thanks to all the hundreds and thousands of listeners out there. Totally, uh, yeah. Follow us on Patreon and... We don't uh, have a Patreon yet. And social media. <laughs> we don't have social media either. And, uh, you know, if you've got any questions, email us at... TellUsPower at gmail.com. That is how it's how you spell it out. I don't know how Eliza say, says it. Something but about, like, to the to, digit. Yeah, to the digit. Hours the word. Like, per, like hour per hour. Yeah, per hour. Wait, P-E-R. two hours... Per hour. Two hours. Like, hours with an H. Yeah. Not like a, this is mine and this is ours. How does Eliza say? Ah. Uh, H-H-O-U-R-S-P-E-R. H-O-U-R. Do you say H or H? I used to say H, because I'm from England originally. So you say H. Is that how British they are? Yeah. Oh, H for house. But now I say house. H for whatever H stands for. H, yeah. You're getting Americanized now. New Zealandized. We just have like weird accents, like mixed up accent. Yeah, eh? I know, right? It's, it's like such a constant a weird blend. It's a constant battle of which whose accent is right. <laughs> yeah, no one's. We're all wrong. Yeah. So, like I said, that'll be it for us, and we'll see you next week with Uncut Gems and more of the Safety Brothers stuff that we'll be talking about. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Did you hear that story about Wilco? How he lost his ear? Not in the mood. Keep your eyes on the trees. Top of the ridge. Bet he told you it was shrapnel. What was it then? Well, you know his girl's a hairdresser, right? And he was moaning about the lack of bathing facilities when he wrote to her. Remember those rancid jakes at Harris? Anyway. She sends him over this hair oil. <laughs> Smells sweet. Like golden syrup. Wilco loves the smell. But he doesn't want to cast it around in his pack. So, he slathers it all over his barnet. Goes to sleep. And in the middle of the night, he wakes up. And a rat is sitting on his shoulder. Licking the oil off his head. 
Wilco panics and he jumps up. <laughs> and when he does, the rat bites clean through his ear and runs off with it. No. 